Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurley. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends, at WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden, Bo Snurdly here with you. It is Bo Snurley's Rush Hour, and if you want to be part of the program this afternoon, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. What a day. I am not pessimistic. I am annoyed beyond belief. If you have not heard already, Jim Jordan had the moderate rhino knife put in his back and is no longer in the running for the speakership of the House of Representatives. There are 25 Republicans now that were part of this spectacle, this feckless spectacle, and I shall read each one of their names. They deserve, for those of you listening around the country, and many people do, Each one of these people deserve attention from you, the Republican voters. I got a text right after this happened. They had lots of text messages. Jenny Beth Martin, who one of the key figures in the Tea Party movement, texted me to alert me to something that she was posting on Twitter. And it read, the GOP conference just stabbed the majority of GOP voters in the back. The voters want Jim Jordan for speaker. Weak-spine GOP congressmen vote one way on the floor for voters to see it another on a secret ballot behind closed doors with no accountability or transparency. After the third vote, they went back in a closed room and they just kicked Jordan to the curb. And that is typical of these feckless, spineless Republicans. Hakeem Jeffries has been out lately. Jim Jordan is a clear and present danger, and apparently he's got a number of these moderates who agree with him. He is a radical beyond belief. The fact that he is the titular head and the face of the Democrat Party in the House means he should get a lot of attention for his past. But you have a number of Republicans who will swaddle up and sign on to that point of view articulated by this radical Democrat than stand with a guy that has 
done nothing for his entire career but try to advance what the Republican Party stands for, and that would be Jim Jordan. Let me get this out of the way now, and let's go through the list. Those Republicans who today used the vote in front of America, not just behind closed doors, to get rid of Jim Jordan are Don Bacon of Nebraska. He's the guy whose wife had to sleep with a pillow, uh, a gun under in the bed with her because of the ugly, ugly things that people wrote to her. I read one of them yesterday. It was mild. Vern Buchanan of Florida. Now, this guy, this guy. There's a big story in the UK Daily Mail today about Vern Buchanan of Florida. If you live, he's he represents folks out on the west coast of Florida. This guy was at the White House, at Biden's White House in the bowling alley, giggling and having fun, bowling. Big story about his joyous time at the White House before he went and stabbed Jim Jordan in the back, politically speaking, of course. And he's one of those that flip-flop. Yeah, I'm for you before I'm against you, and I'm against you. Ken Buck of Colorado, who I understand is not running again, thank goodness. He's a very big disappointment. He came on gangbusters like Mr. Mr. Conservative, and over the years has demonstrated he is anything but. Laurie Chavez de Rimmer of Oregon. I don't know much about her. I will endeavor to find out more. Anthony D'Esposito of New York. You live in Old Anthony's district? Let us know what you think. Mario Diaz-Balart, Florida. Jake Elsey of Texas. Drew Ferguson, Georgia. Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania voters? Here's another one for you. New York voters. You've got this guy, Andrew Garbarino. Another one of the political knives in Jim Jordan's back came from Anthony Garbarino of New York. Carlos Jimenez of Florida. Tony Gonzalez, Texas. Cage Granger, Texas. A big disappointment for John James of Michigan. Many of us went out of our way to support his candidacy twice when he ran for Senate. Then he ends up in the House because he didn't make it through the process of the elections to win in Michigan. And what does he do? He turns on all of you. A lot of people donated money outside of the state to this guy. You conservatives, you believed in him. And here he is with his little knife. Disappointment. Tom Keene of New Jersey. What do you expect from Tom Keene? What do you expect from the milk toast Tom Keene? New Jersey people like these kind of guys, apparently. You... Republicans in New Jersey, you love these guys. You love the Christy Todd Whitmans, the Todd Keene. The more moderate they are, the more like Democrats they are, the more you like them in New Jersey, apparently. 
Mike Kelly, Pennsylvania. Jen Kiggins, Virginia. And then there's old Nick LaLota from New York. And this, this one, this Mike Lawler of New York. I'm, I, I'm doing my best to refrain from calling these people names that I truly want to call them. But I'm, I'm, I really do try to avoid that. Mike Lawler is number one on the list. Behind, if I could pick my, the guys I would like to see primaried first, second, and third, first would be this guy, Don Bacon in, in Nebraska. Second would be this guy, Vern Buchanan of Florida. And third would be Mike Lawler of New York. Marionette Miller Meeks, Iowa. Another New York backstabber, Mark Molinaro of New York. John Rutherford of Florida. Mike Simpson, Idaho. Pete Stauber, Minnesota. And Steve Womack of Arkansas. Now, pretty soon the Republican, the National Republican Congressional Committee will be calling your house if you're on their list, begging you to support some of these moderates and some of these rhinos so that they can go back to D.C. and stab you again in the back like they do every single year. I hope this time around, many of you will have learned that these people are not who they say they are. Hakeem Jeffries gets more vote. Hakeem Jeffries, the radical Democrat, got more votes than Jim Jordan. That is the state of your whiny, spineless, feckless, despicable, cowardly, timid, punk-ass Republican House members. Jim Jordan doesn't get as many votes as Hakeem Jeffries. Insane, and it's ridiculous. But they will have their hands out once again. They'll be dialing for dollars, dialing you with a happy voice, asking you to please donate to their campaign so we can elect more Republicans to save America and all the other crap that they have in their script to try to make you part with your money for this bunch of spineless, feckless, weenie Republicans. I don't know. You know, I, I said so there are days when, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pessimistic about it. I'm glad that these people are self-identifying now. Because eventually, and it may take one, two, three, four, I might not live to see it five, ten, twenty political cycles, but eventually people would have will have had enough of being stabbed in the back and the chest by these so called moderate Republicans. Eventually they will, as a breed, be left behind in future elections. It may take many cycles to get this ilk and their spawn out of Congress. But eventually, it will happen. 
So now we are at another announcement. Guy Kevin Hearn has announced his bid. And I don't know. As I've said before, and I've I've taken some heat from this, I don't care if they just keep it shut down for a number of weeks. You know, Joe Biden was on TV last night fumbling his way through an address begging for money for Ukraine and Israel in the same bill. They want to pack it. They want to package it together so that those of you who are upset because of these endless dollars going to Ukraine, your representative will have no other choice but to vote for it because they know many of you also support Israel. So that will be another one of the moves that Republicans try. And of course, Matt Gates is considered to be persona non grata. He and Kevin McCarthy got into it a little bit last night. He stood up when Kevin was talking. Kevin addressed him. He stood up, and apparently Kevin McCarthy told him to sit his ass down. That's what he said. And and Gates was booed loudly and roundly before in the conference. He is not going to be a person that will ever be liked in this conference. But Matt Getz did us a tremendous favor by putting this process underway. And for that, I am grateful, because you see clearly who the people are that claim to be on your side, but who are not. And it's good to know not only who your political enemies are, but also your political traitors. Again, I am not of the belief that things usually, that there is enough momentum to get these moderates out of the House of Representatives in one cycle. It's going to take multiple election cycles. But if we are persistent, and if we have great candidates, if you're one of the people that is so angry you don't know what to do with yourself, If you have been blessed with the fortitude that you can stand up to criticism, if you've been blessed with the ability to know how to attract people to your point of view and you can earn the money that you need to run for Congress, I would suggest many of you that are really sick and tired of this, instead of waiting for someone else to run, For that seat in Congress, many of you might think about doing it yourselves. Those of you that are thoroughly disgusted, you're at your wit's end, and the only other thing you can think of is to quit this party. Before you do that, some of you might want to consider running yourself against some of these rhinos, against some of these moderates, against some of these left-wing Democrats against some of these petty little tyrants in the Republican Party. And if you stand strong and deliver your message and talk with the American people, you would be surprised, some of you might, the hunger that is out here for true leaders to take over where this bunch of incompetent, 
disgraceful, traitorous, petty legislators that call themselves Republicans have failed. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. It is Leonard Skinner Day here. 1977, Ronnie Van Zandt, Steve Gaines, Cassie Gaines, all killed along with the manager of Leonard Skinner, Dean Kilpatrick, when their rented plane ran out of fuel, crashed into a swamp near Gillsburg, Mississippi. Leonard Skinner here, day, Leonard Skinner day here on Boston Early's Rush Hour. WABC, your calls are welcome. We will be talking with Josh Hammer. Has a great article in Daily Mail today. You can also find him in Newsweek. We'll be talking with him shortly, and I'm going to get to your calls really soon because I want you to have your voice heard too. Don't go away. Is on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 1984 Wham! starts a three week run at number one. Freedom, which was their second number one release. You know what we're going to do? We will go to the phones early. I want to get to people. Uh, before we do that, uh, Andrew, my good friend, Andrew Giuliani, who I enjoy. Andrew and I have a conversation with each other every Thursday, and I have to tell you, I just look forward to it each week. He's such a delight. And I heard Andrew, in, in the last hour, sitting in for, for uh, the mayor today, mention this check. And you can find, if you go to Twitter, or the social media, uh, not Twitter, X, formerly known as Twitter, you will see so many posts with it. And the thing that comes, the, the caption that comes with it was released by <clears throat> RNC, not the RNC, it was released by the oversight, one of the committees. On March 1st, 2018, distressed company, AmeriCorps wires $200,000 to James Biden because his last name is Biden, and he could open the doors to Middle East investment. That same day that they cut him the check, he cuts a check for $200,000 to Joe Biden. Now, these people keep saying there's no evidence, there's no evidence. This isn't the first time we know. We are seeing how the money flowed through the Biden family. It is not new. Now, Democrats and their lackeys in the media will continue to tell you 
that there is no evidence. There is plenty of circumstantial evidence. And when you look at these banking records, you get $200,000, they they cut a check to James Biden that same day. He cuts a check, exact same amount to Joe Biden. Come on, folks. Come on. It's all over there. By the way, if you want to reach me at Twitter, I'm at Bo Snerdly, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y, at Bo Snerdly on Twitter. So if you want to reach me there, you can always do that. Let us head to the telephones. I want to get people in today, not wait till the last minute. Let's start in New York with Sergio. Sergio, how are you? I'm great. I'm very happy to be on your show. First time uh, caller and uh, long time listener. I just want to state very quickly that the difference between the Republicans and and the Democrats are the fact that the Democrats want people to be dependent on government and the Republicans want you to be independent on government. Given that, you know, given that, you know, what's going on in Congress right now is the fact that everyone is being selfish without the concerns of the many and just the concerns of themselves. And it really doesn't matter who is speaker when you have tremendous things going around the world you can't afford to have a House of Representatives that's not in action. Yes, you can. Um, Yes, you can. (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you a question, Sergio. In all seriousness, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to to browbeat you, but I I have a very serious question for you. How has your life changed because the House has been in this state without a speaker? What has happened in your life that's any different because the House of Representatives has been out of, quote unquote, out of commission for almost two weeks? Well, you're right. And probably not much as far as me personally is concerned. You're absolutely right. Now, I I had a I had a I had a long conversation with Louis Gohmert. It's that's part of our podcast series. Everything is golden. In fact, we had to break it into two different podcasts. And one of the things that Louis told me, which you'll hear in this podcast, is the way that these that Congress does appropriations, there is so much money. And by the way. The money isn't printed. The money is created. That came from the Federal Reserve, but that's a small point we can get to later. But there's so much money that is undefined. That is how the president can say, oh, we're creating an agency or we're creating this and that out of thin air. And then all of a sudden it's funded without Congress actually appropriating specific funds for it. So people say, okay, well, we need to send these billions of dollars to Israel. We need to send billions. Look, all of a sudden, they came up with COVID money out of nowhere. It's still not all spent. And there are billions left floating around there. Where do you think all these billions that they're spending on illegal immigrants coming into this country? Where do you think that money is coming from? It was not appropriated. So my point is that there is absolutely nothing that these people cannot do that they really want to do even if there is no speaker. If they really want money to go to the Ukraine, the money will go there. All of this stuff is public posturing. They spend money like it's water because they create the money. And they have so many loopholes in the way that they've written the laws that they can move billions of dollars around without you or anybody else's consent. So I'll ask you again, Sergio, just, and again, I'm not trying to, Believe me, Sergio, I'm so glad you called, and I am not trying to browbeat you, but I do want to just push back gently on what you said 
about us needing to have the House. Do we really need the House of Representatives to have a speaker at this moment? The point is well taken. Um, The other thing I really wanted to mention is that, you know, I'm a cardiologist. I'm also an NYU law student. And uh, so I see what's going on on campuses around the country and so forth. Uh, We wrote to the dean. I know what happened with the uh, student body council president that we had. I just want to make a point about Israel that many of the students don't know. Number one, when they use the word apartheid, they don't know what they're talking about. Israel has 1.5 million Palestinian citizens in Israel proper. And Amen. 10%, 10% of the Knesset, 10 members out of 100 of the Knesset are Palestinian Arab. I'd like to see which country that's apartheid includes their apartheid people part of their Congress, just like we have Rashid and other people in Congress, which everyone has the right to vote for. They have the right to vote for their constituents. It's the people outside the borders of Israel that we have a concern with, with respect to, you know, obviously our security and so forth. But really, there was a great article in the Jerusalem Post that over 60 percent of the Arabs who are Palestinian citizens of Israel wished for for them to be under the Israeli rule rather than Palestinian Hamas rule. And these are the people living in Israeli proper. Obviously, I'm sure if you polled and they were they were able to poll, you know, the, the people in Gaza and people in West Bank, the majority would also want the same because you have freedom and you have equal rights and you have a real country of laws. But what's happening in those countries, it's that they use their citizens as pawns, just like every other country in the world, in order for people in Qatar to, to collect their billions. And Thank that's you. what I really wanted to say. Sergio, you are an amazingly great caller. I hope to hear from you again. And thank you for work, for, for being so patient with me and allowing me to push back on, on you. This is what good discussions are about, Sergio, and you are amazing at it. Thank you. Call back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. James Golden, that case, certainly with you here on WABC. It's my mom's favorite song, too. It is level 42. And I love it. Birthday day, English musician Mark King, lead singer, bassist, level 42. On WABC, we're going to check in with the news. We've got more. Josh Hammer, the great journalist, is coming up with us. So keep it right here on WABC. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 2014, John Holt, reggae singer-songwriter. With the Paragons, died. He was 67 years old. John Holt wrote this one. Made famous by Blondie. The tide is high. On WABC Talk Radio 77, where indeed the tide is high. 
With us is the amazing journalist, Josh Hammer. You can find Josh at the Daily Mail. You can find him at Newsweek. He is also a research fellow at the Edmund Burke Foundation, and he has his own show, The Josh Hammer Show. Josh, good to have you again. Good to speak with you. How are you? You know, I'm doing as well as I could be under the circumstances, my friend, but it's always good to join you on the airwaves of 770 WABC. Thank you, Josh. And yes, you have been writing uh, extensively about what is going on, not just here in America, but also in Israel. You have a column in the Daily Mail, and this is, I've never seen you a headline like this coming from you. It is hot. Defund the vile brainwashing universities. America can't ignore woke, Jew-hating academia any longer. Take your tuition dollars elsewhere and do it now. Wow. What caused it? Well, I probably should note, and just so the listeners are aware that, you know, as is the case with most publications, the Daily Mail chooses their own headlines. The headlines, but having said, yes. But, you know, <laughs> having said that, I probably would have chosen something just as draconian myself, because what we've seen over the past week and a half, two weeks, I mean, what happened in Israel is obviously beyond disturbing. Um, it, it's just, it, it's unspeakable, this stuff. And, you know, for those of us who are Jewish, who have close family over there, I mean, my brother-in-law lives five miles from the Gaza border. It's been it's been it's been hell on earth, but let me tell you, it it has just been absolutely atrocious. But compounding that pain and arguably making it even worse, frankly, I mean, arguably even worse on its own terms, has been the fallout here in the United States. We, we are seeing kids running around college campuses chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, which anyone who listens carefully to that phrase can tell you they're not talking there about a so-called two-state solution. They're talking about just genociding all of Israel, genociding the world's largest Jewish population. We've seen professors, a guy named Russell Rickford at Cornell University, a guy at Columbia University called Joseph Massad, who are just praising, praising this Hamas atrocity. 1,400 Jews slaughtered the most dead Jews in a day since Hitler. Professor Rickford at Cornell said that he thought it was, quote-unquote, awesome and exhilarating to watch these paragliders, these jihadists, fly in and mow down all these innocent civilians at that music rave near the Gaza border. You saw the 31 student groups at Harvard University affix their names to a pro-Hamas letter that placed the exclusive blame for this unspeakable atrocity at the hands of the victim, Israel. It's just disgusting stuff. And truly, truly, if you are considering giving any dollars, if you are an alum of of a university, of an Ivy League school or elsewhere, and you are even thinking about giving a penny, I would say that you, at a bare minimum, need to do your due diligence and make sure that you are not giving money to an institution that has condoned the most vile and despicable Jew hatred and or has not condemned it. So you need to do your homework at a bare minimum because what's happening on our campuses right now with these total, total radicals is just disgraceful beyond words, I fear. And people are heeding that. There have been any number of donors at Penn State, for instance. Penn State is having an issue because not one, but a few donors have said, okay, enough. We're done with this. Harvard Harvard University, likewise, has had donors now saying, okay, this is enough. So my question then to you, Josh, why are these schools that are filled with indoctrination that is not only anti-Israel, but in very often anti-capitalist, 
anti-American in many cases. Why are these schools still held in such high esteem when they've be, just become uh, sores for the most radical leftist ideology that there is on the planet? So I think it's all about supply and demand. I, I mean, the only reason that we hold these universities in esteem is because other people hold them in esteem. It's almost it's almost kind of circular logic, actually. I mean, the way the only reason that a diploma from Harvard or Yale actually means something is because the people who are doing the hiring, the people who are doing graduate school admissions, the people in the corridors of power in New York, D.C., L.A., and so forth, because they view those universities as having some sort of esteem. So if we can somehow get employers, if we can somehow get graduate schools, if we can, if we can somehow convince all of the relevant institutions and hirers and prospective future employers, if we can somehow convince them to basically stop hiring and to actually use their market power to try to effectuate change, I think that would be a very meaningful first place to start. And to give you just one concrete example as to what this looks like, so you know, I'm actually a lawyer by training. I clerked on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit for a phenomenal conservative judge by the name of Judge Jim Ho. Judge Ho, over the past year, has been a leader, along with Judge Lisa Branch on the 11th Circuit. The two of them have announced a law clerk hiring boycott of all future law clerks from Yale Law School and Stanford Law School, because those two law schools have time and time again failed to protect free speech on campus. So I think that is the basic model. You have to get these courageous employers to kind of use their market power to try to get the message across to these universities, because ultimately that's the only reason that parents are ponying up all this cash for this piece of paper is because they think that it will help their children's future career prospects. So I think tamping down on those career prospects is the only place to try to nip it in the bud. Now, you mentioned some of these professors and some of the remarks. I saw, uh, I read articles uh, the day that this professor that said it was exhilarating and energizing to see the, the, the massacre that had taken place. He was called out on it, and he doubled down. He's still employed. What is, why are, I don't understand, what does it take to bring accountability to the hate speech, the the blatant anti-Semitism and hate speech that is taking place, not just by students, but by these professors, the hired help. Why are they being allowed to continue in their jobs after express in the private sector? Any number of people have been fired. I'm sure you've been seeing that. They make outrageous statements and in less than 24 hours, they're terminated from their jobs not on these college campuses. So the college campuses are kind of the root of all this evil, right? I mean, this is, I mean, I think what you're seeing now, but I think what you're seeing now, and you've seen this over the past week and a half, these so-called Students for Justice in Palestine, it's SJP. These are the student chapters all across the country. There's been 25 to 30 of them by my count. A guy by the name of Jay Green over at the Heritage Foundation is keeping an actual tally of this for those who want to keep tabs on this sort of thing. There's been like 30 student groups who have actually not only failed to condemn the Hamas atrocities, but have actually gone ahead and praised it. And, you know, these chapters typically have faculty advisors like that guy at Cornell, Russell Rickford, and so forth there. So a, a, a lot of this is public. But I think the broader view here is that you have to understand that 
the logic, the vile and grotesque logic that is leading these campus radicals to openly praise the slaughter of innocent Jews is coming from a, a, a place of critical theory in the academy. It's the rhetoric of colonizer, of liberation, of oppressed class versus oppressors. It's all downstream of the 1960s, 1970s era stuff with Herbert Marcuse, the Frankfurt School. You know, Christopher Rufo wrote a fantastic book this summer, kind of tracing the long arc of that intellectual trajectory from the academy. The point here, though, is that the chickens are now coming home to roost. The Academy for 50, 60, 70 years has been the most radical institution in all of America. And unfortunately, when it comes to these institutions, Bo, I mean, Jew hatred is not only out of style, I think it is the most fashionable and politically correct form of bigotry alive right now. It is profoundly sad. I, I mean, it saddens me to no end, but it's just the reality that we're dealing with. I hope that your article, and, and jo Josh, I cannot tell you the admiration I have for you as a journalist. I hope your articles on this will inspire change because it is desperately needed. And I also just want to say this. I have no objection to people having a different point of view. I mean, I understand that there are people who genuinely believe that they want to represent the cause of Palestinian people. Okay. That has a place. I'm not saying we should shut down all discussion at all. But after what the world witnessed in World War II, that anyone would allow conversation for people who are openly advocating the extermination of the Jewish people is simply unacceptable. And it should not be tolerated on any college campus in this country. Did we lose Josh? Oh, no, sorry. I'm, I'm here. I lost you just for a second there. Look, okay. I mean, I, 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 the people have not only forgotten the lessons of World War II at this point, you just have generations of generations, I think, going back at least to the Six-Day War of 1967 who have painted Israel as the antithesis of that liberalism, socialism holds dear. I mean, Israel is, is, a, is a strong nation state. It is a nation state that exists for a concrete people at a concrete place in time. It is steeped in Western values. I mean, you know, just like Karl Marx held a special contempt for the Jewish people, despite the fact that he was ethnically Jewish himself, I think a lot of communists and socialists and far lefties these days holds Israel in a specific place of contempt because it is the ultimately the birthplace of Western civilization. I mean, Jerusalem obviously was where it all started. So if you hold Western civilization in contempt, then you are going to simply hate, hate Israel. The, the problem, though, as, as you said, is that we're not having polite civil debates here. We're not debating you know, what the proper boundaries between Israel and a future hypothetical Palestinian state ought to be. We are literally debating my people, the Jewish people's right to exist. We are debating whether me, my parents, my brother, my fiance, and so forth should exist as people on this earth. And worse than that, we are seeing administrators fail to condemn this conduct. I mean, I, I, I went to law school at the University of Chicago, and, and they have thus far failed to put out a statement. Now, the University of Chicago has had some of the most Nobel laureates of any university in the world. That's like 98 or 99 or something like that. By my count, I was looking at this the other day, 
over a third of University of Chicago's Nobel laureates are actually Jewish. So I would ask the universe, I would ask the president of the University of Chicago, you know, would you stand to protect the rights to exist of your own Nobel laureate? I, I mean, it's just so absurd on, on its face. And all I can ask is that, again, if you are a donor, stop donating to these institutions. If you are an employer, stop hiring from these institutions. Use your market power. Try to shift the levers of the supply and demand curves. Try to use it for a good place because we have gone down such a dark road here. We've got to turn around. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you as always. Can't wait to have you back, hopefully under better circumstances. Josh Hammer, ladies and gentlemen, one of America's premier journalists here on Bolsonaro's Rush Hour. 1973, Rolling Stones, number one, with this one. Angie, Lou Dobbs coming up, and then your phone calls. Don't go away. When will those clouds all disappear? This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, presents Rapid Phones. Let's go to uh, Jersey, Vegas in New Jersey. You're on uh, WABC Rapid Phones with Bose Nerdly. What is on your mind? Hey, Bose, there's a lot on my mind, and I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but Ever since 2020, I've been attacking this problem that we're seeing manifest today. The problem isn't religion pointing fingers at one another. It's people believing what they read on their devices. It's people that would look at an email and assume all the words were typed exactly like that by the sender. Um, I have many examples I've already shared with the CIA, along with devices that were Apple-owned. I used to work for Apple. I used to work for Tesla. Um, right now, we have a lot of empty calories with Bitcoin. We're going to have to figure that out. Hey, Jer- uh, Jersey, I don't know where all this is going, but we're on rapid phone, so you're right. Maybe we can't get to all of it today. I didn't get to your real point in this yet. Tomorrow is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We have more time for phone calls. So maybe you'll give us a call and I can get to the bottom of what this call is really all about. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Adam quickly in Mineola. Adam, you know the deal. Right to your point. Yeah, Chessborough pled guilty to a felony today by Trump. That's what I got to say. Bye, Adam. We'll speak with you tomorrow, I'm sure. Let's go to Russ in White Plains, New York. You're up next. James, Trump is like a Pac-Man game, and he's chewed up the rhino Republican Party. He's forging a new Republican Party out of the old, including independents and Democrats like me. I think people in the street are angry because if you voted for Biden, you voted for death and mayhem. And that's why they're so angry. They're, they betrayed. Trump gave them an embassy in Jerusalem that cost nothing. In return, we got four years of quiet. He's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. In Brooklyn, New York, you are next. Hello, yeah, Robert. Biden, yeah, Biden had the nerve to call out Israel that they should follow quote, the laws of war and, quote, the government of Israel not to be blinded by hate, unquote. Meanwhile, in the past two weeks, it was Israel who was brutally attacked, more than 1,300 people killed, more than 200 people hostage, more than 300 people in the hospital, about 100 to 200 missing. And then he's going to pass legislation. He wants to pass a bill over $100 billion. He lumps everything together, like $60 billion to Ukraine, $14 billion to Israel, $14 billion for border security, $10 billion for humanitarian aid, which should go to Hamas, $7 billion to the Indo-Pacific region, 
Biden's performance is horrible. He stole the election. The whole world is suffering because of it. And our- Andrew, you are next. Thank you for that call, Robert. Appreciate you. Andrew, you're next. John Lewis was described as a civil rights leader. That's a contradiction. He was a Democrat. The Democrats were the party of Jim Crow. And also nowadays, too, blocking school choice. Let me just say this about Adam. John Lewis. Let, let, let me just say this. As much as I despise some of the things that John Lewis said as a congressman that were anti-Republican and race-baiting, John Lewis took a beating that none of us would want to ever take fighting for the freedom of African Americans. And I will not stand by on this show and let anyone say he was not a leader in his early days. He did. He led with his head. His head got beaten in by these racists down there. Now, yes, they were racist Democrats, and you have that absolutely right. They were racist Democrats that were beating him. But do not dismiss what this man went through for the sake of freedom and liberty in America. Andrew, I love you. Thank you for the call. Sal, you're up next. Well, simply, Christ Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. Let's pray to Christ that he protects the land of his birth, where he sacrificed himself for the world and protect Israel, America, Italy. Remember, there are American and Italian uh, teenagers who are taken hostage. And I pray that he guides the Israeli forces doing the job that America and NATO should be doing and rescue the, uh, the hostages and exterminate Hamas. They're evil. They're cancer. You cannot make friends. Mike, with thank you. We got to go. For everybody that did not make it on, people want to talk about Jim Jordan. They want to talk about D'Esposito and some of the other New York Republican-turned-coats. Please do. Diego is performing this weekend. Diego, tell everybody where quickly. Uh, Berlin under A. Under Avenue A. It's the... uh under Avenue A. It's called. It's a bar called Berlin, and um, I'm playing at 7, at 8, actually, with Tina Town. Okay, that's on Sunday? S- yeah, Sunday, October 22nd, this Sunday. Okay, you can go check Diego out. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. We are leaving today, of course, with Leonard Skinner. Love and gratitude for your being here and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we're here tomorrow, 7 a.m., and hope you're here, too. Bye.